Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is John Getz from Gaming and Leisure, and welcome to GNL Voice. And today on our show, we have Melissa Arscog, the VP of Business Development at Bulletproof, which is a GLI company. Now, we've probably all worked with Melissa somewhere along the line on, on, on the uh, gaming side of the house. You know, she's been around for about 10 years, has experience in the you know, gaming operations, suppliers, regulators, tribal gaming enterprises, state entities and, and associates and so forth. And um, I was interested to learn that one of Melissa's passions is, is STEM and helping, helping um, mentor women and get through diversity programs and inclusion for women in technology. And I think that's great. So uh, Melissa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, today, you know, as we've talked, chatted, and I've done some research, we're going to talk about cyber insurance and, you know, cyber security in general. So let's, you know, if we could start off by kind of having you tell the audience what cyber insurance is and how it affects our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, simplistically speaking, cyber insurance is used to protect business from internet-based risks. So anything from the IT infrastructure or anything that um, ransomware attacks, but essentially it is a, a, it protects businesses from cyber risks. Okay. And, and what are some of the, the cyber risks out there? I've read, you know, I've heard of all sorts of different things. There's phishing, there's there's uh, virus attacks and there's um, something new I learned was called software supply chain interruption. And I, I've never heard of that. So, you know, what are some of the risks out there that our, our industry faces? Yeah, I think um, I always say the biggest risk is the people. That's the easy way to get in. In a lot of cases is, you know, sending an email, asking people to reset their passwords or, Hey, can you pay this PO? Um, you know, I personally have had um, someone impersonate me in our company, and they asked for um, to get everybody Starbucks gift cards, $20, $20 worth of Starbucks gift cards for everyone. And it sounded just like something I would say. And it had my signature and a similar email. And um, one of the people that received it. Uh, he was one of our technical um, solution architects and he forwarded it on to me. He's like, how about that? It looks just like something you'd say. They, they even got your, um, the way you communicate internally correct. So I don't know where it came from, but we, you know, it was to, for it to happen to you. It's a whole different story. So I read about it. I hear about it and I'm involved in remediation. But when it happens to you, um, you know, and in our case, our employees are trained. And so when they receive these phishing emails, they know what to do with them. Um, but in all other cases, not all organizations have a training program and know how to handle any of the emails that they might be receiving, whether it's, you know, theft or they're hacking or they want um, data destruction or anything of that nature. It could be all different kinds of things. Yeah, and we've been talking. You've been talking about emails, but as as recently as yesterday, I got a text from something or someone that was making them look like the post office, the USPS, and it said, "You have a package 
that is stuck in a sorting facility. Click here to enter your new uh, correct address. And I, you know, the first thing I did was I Googled um, USPS sorting facility package stuck. And it's, you know, showed me all the scams that, that are out there for that. Um, so that's just an individual. Um, how do those things affect the big, big organizations? You know, I shouldn't say big, it's gonna, you know, small, medium, large casinos, hospitalities, um, hotels. How does, how did, how do these things affect the larger organizations? Not just not John in Wisconsin. Yeah, so I think, you know, who does it affect? Well, any business that creates stores and manages electronic data online, such as player contact information, sales, PII data, credit card numbers. Um, so any of that data is what they're going after. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of jumping into the topic here today, why companies are going after, you know, cyber insurance is, you know, to help, um, and, you know, help mediate and, and use some of those funds to remediate any of the things that might happen, whether it affects their infrastructure or player data. Um, so I think companies are really starting to become aware of how it might affect, you know, not only, you know, like I said, their infrastructure, but also their personnel. Mm -hmm. So cyber insurance, it, it sounds very I, I really hadn't heard of cyber insurance before. Is it new or is it, has it been out there for a while? Yeah, so I think, you know, cyber insurance is relatively new. Um, it's different in a sense that uh, most risks of this nature aren't typically included in a traditional insurance policy. Um, so it is new. It, it's, it's been around for a bit um, and, and it's, I think um, I forget one of my insurance colleagues uh, told me that the last couple of years, the insurance companies are taking a big hit because of so many of these attacks and ransomware. And so um, they're learning too, as they go, as the, the incidents get bigger, um, you know, it's changing just as much for them as it is for the people that have the policies. So what, um, I'm sure I, someone just can't go to Allstate and say, I want cyber insurance. So what is it, is it um, a specialized agencies that have this, this technical know-how or what is the process for a casino property to get cyber insurance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always recommend um, reaching out to a broker to um, better understand what type of policy that you're looking for. Um, they usually ask you to fill out, um, which used to be a page questionnaire. Um, I've seen a, a cybersecurity questionnaire um, recently that was over 25 pages long. So they're asking very intricate type of questions like when was the last time you had a security assessment? Do you do them yearly? Do you do vulnerability scanning regularly? Um, do you have social media? If so, which one? So they're asking more questions in these questionnaires than they used to. And then I have heard um, in some cases, the insurance companies are testing to make sure, um, you know, what you said on those questionnaires are correct. I had a, a casino recently who completed a questionnaire and found out, you know, a couple of weeks later that the insurance company um, did a security assessment um, on the environment they could touch externally. So 
they are checking those questionnaires and um, you know ensuring clients as it how it makes sense based on those questionnaires. That that's interesting. So the insurance companies do they do that in secret or do they say on this date we're going to test things out? Because I you know you see TV you know movies where they you know companies will hire someone to come in and and steal you know, company secrets, and then they make a report to the company and then they get a check for a million dollars for, you know, uh, testing their security. So how, how do the insurance companies go about doing that? That's a good question. I don't know if I have 100% of the answer to that one, but I do know that um, the clients that I work with, both, in most cases, they have been a surprise and the, the casino had found out after um, the assessment had taken place. So I'm sure maybe there's some um, insurance companies that do it collaboratively, but in the cases I've been involved with, it was um, the organization wasn't aware that they were um, doing the assessment. Wow, that's, that's, that's scary almost to know that, you know, that's being checked on because, um, you know, you hear about all of these things, denial of service and, and all of these attacks that can happen. Um, now, I was reading an article from Forbes where it said um, cyber criminals can break into 93% of the networks out there. Um, so that, you know, only 7%, you know, have secure networks. And that's, that, that number is astounding. Um, what do you think of that? I mean, is that true? You know, it's, it's, uh, I would say it probably is true. Um, I think everybody has different numbers, but um, yeah, I think we've seen a lot of, of breaches that have happened since COVID days and not just, you know, the casino gaming industry, but other industries are seeing um, breaches as well. And um, you know, in the gaming industry, we heard about, um, I think it was 2019, um, that MGM, you know, 10 million, I think guests were, their personal information was leaked. I think we've seen it. Um, I think Indian gaming also made a stance that their, the cyber attacks they heard about in 2021 had jumped a thousand percent since 2019. Um, and, and even non-gaming, we've seen Marriott was breached with a social engineering attack, Amazon. Um, so it's not just our industry, but I would say everybody is at risk. And I typically say it's not if, it's when. And mm -hmm. a little bit is better than nothing. Um, I, I hope that answered what you were asking. Yeah, but it, it does. It just, tell, like you said, it's not if, but when. So what what kind of liability do companies have with for their you know their employee data their their customer data i mean it's all out there what kind of liabilities do they have and does the insurance protect them from those liabilities yeah so um i think it's everyone's responsibility to take action in a company whether mm -hmm. you're hr or you know, marketing or IT or whatever department is everyone's responsibility to protect their company and their company's information. Um, I think we all should, you know, if we're getting a, a phishing email and we know it's a phishing email, maybe share it um, with the IT departments and tell them, you know, if you get it, it's probably likely that someone else has is, is got that email. 
I know I talked to several, um, you know, GMs and CEOs across the U.S. that, um, you know, had their assistant not caught something that looked fishy, um, they would have probably paid the PO. And um, I have a, a client right now that we're working with that um, millions of dollars were paid over the course of several years by missing, missing you know, a breach and they just kept paying POs, 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 POs. They were small POs. And um, one, one of their employees caught it mainly because at the time they were sending the PO, it was a, it was a really odd hour to be sending. I think it was like two in the morning somewhere in that time. And it was unlike that department to send anything at two in the morning. So they realized that it was um, someone overseas um, happy to say this client got 90 plus percent of their money back of the seven oh, wow. that were lost. Um, so, but I think, you know, in regards to the insurance companies, they really have um, the underwriters that are underwriting these policies have really limited data because not all companies are doing the assessments and doing the high, proper hygiene. So insurance companies are having to make deci decisions with a a little bit of information instead of a lot of information, um, you know, that they're that they receive from clients. So I, I have a, another client that I'm working with who had a $10 million policy for 50,000. And now that same policy is 100,000 for $2 million worth of coverage. So they're shifting and they tend to fluctuate the policies from month to month, given the dynamic and fluctuation mm -hmm. nature of cyber and the risks that are attached to it. So you, you'd mentioned they had a $2 million policy. What does that $2 million cover? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've seen casinos use the 2 million um, for um, protecting uh, their clients' information. So doing the credit monitoring. So I mm -hmm. think they're like 15 to $20 a month. Don't quote me on the exact price, but I think they're about 15 or $20 a month. And if they have, you know, six, you know, six times the amount of people in their database times, you know, 15 or $20, you know, your 2 million can be sucked up pretty quick and just um, credit monitoring before you even remediate or fix anything that may have been broken. Wow. That, that's, that's incredible, you know, because I've been involved with data breaches where, you know, you you have your credit card or someone with someone and they get their data breached and then they send you the little link to get the, what is it, LifeLock or something like that. So that, and, you know, they're sending it out to 2 million other people. So, and it costs $50 a, a person. So that's what that insurance money is paid, used for in this case? In some cases, I think everybody used the different depending on what um, the breach is and what's in their policies. Um, so some are buying more coverage, less coverage. And, you know, I know some casinos who made the decision with the increased cost of cyber insurance just to not have insurance and to, to use those funds on other security tools or services as opposed to the policies. So I think oh, okay. it's different for a lot of organizations given size um, and business decisions. So Melissa, how do you help casinos when they, when you're, you're working with a casino on cyber insurance, where, where are you lending your expertise? 
Um, yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's funny because I never would, would have thought I'd be reviewing cybersecurity questionnaires. <laughs> um, over the last few years, um, several of our um, clients have worked with us on their questionnaires because a lot of the information in those questionnaires, we help them with, whether it's um, managed security services or a penetration test or quarterly scanning for PCI. So a lot of the information that's inside those questionnaires we do for the gaming industry, for tribal casinos, commercial casinos, suppliers, lotteries, the gamut of insurance, uh, the gamut of companies in the gaming industry. So really, we help them fill out the questionnaires, um, you know, with their HR department who might be looking over their um, cybersecurity training because training is a function of HR um, or training in some cases a function of IT, depending on. Um, how the the client is organized. So it really does take an army. I think a lot of times I work with CFOs too. They have some of the financial information. And when they ask about um, social media, the marketing department gets involved. So I tend to get involved on uh, multiple different levels with clients. Okay. So um, when, when you're filling out the questionnaire, you, you'd mentioned PCI data. Um, how involved are the you know, Nevada Gaming Control Board or the, um, the tribal gaming regulators? How are they involved with this? Do you have to um, keep them in the loop um, with PCI data or do you have to have your PCI uh, encrypted or where do they fall into this? Yeah, so. that's a great question. So I, it, again, it depends on the state and the jurisdiction. Um, you know, the regulators, um, tribal or state regulators, don't demand cyber insurance. Um, they, you know, in some states like New Jersey and Michigan and other states that have a regulatory requirement where either the casino or the suppliers have the assessments um, on the entire casino environment, or in some states, there's a regulation where just the sports book or iGaming environment has the assessment. So. Um, New Jersey's taken a, a really big stance on that. And so if you're in the state of New Jersey or offering um, gaming and iGaming and sports wagering, you have to have a security assessment, whether you're a casino or a supplier. Um, in some states, just the sports book or iGaming piece segment of the casino has to have um, an, a, a security assessment. Um, so where the regulators are involved are making sure that you're doing those uh, assessments with a licensed um, security company, um, such as uh, GLI Bulletproof, who I work for. But there's several companies out there that can offer that service. Mm -hmm. um, we've just been working with the casino industry for a while, um, helping them stay secure and, and, and grow their security posture. You've you've mentioned iGaming a couple of times, and uh, that probably threw a kink into a lot of security plans and security programs because it it opens up the door for a lot of criminals, in my opinion. Um, have you seen or have you experienced that? Like when a, a, an entity has iGaming, that it their risk um, increases, or is it not really affected? It just curious. Yeah, I think um, definitely um, you're, you're moving workloads in the cloud or in the casino environment. So there's more pieces to it, um, different technology 
so yeah, we have um, seen good and, and bad ways of doing it and helped clients um, secure their environment. We've had a, um, you know, a couple um, clients that came to us that had an, a security assessment on the environment that was in, um, you know, in the casino environment. And then the portion that wasn't in the casino environment was breached. So we've seen, you know, the area that we tested not be breached the area that wasn't tested because maybe it didn't have um, any game information on it. Um, we've seen it a lot. We have, you know, we all joke about the fish tank and how it was attached to the wireless network and how, you know, the hacker was able to scale and um, get into their casino environment. We've seen it with HVAC, um, you know, a lot of non-gaming type of ways to get into an, an environment. Um, so I think that just, adds a layer of complexity and um, the casinos do a really great job of working with the suppliers and getting their assessments done on um, the part that is required by the regulators. Mm -hmm. You mentioned HVAC. There, there are security concerns with HVAC? I... Yeah, there's, there's um, you know, the internet of things, right? Anything uh -huh. connected and how it's connected. Um, wireless printers, um, so oh, okay. Yeah, any way okay. to connect to the network, right? So, um, you know, everything's wireless now. You have, you know, the ring, everybody has the ring at their mm -hmm. home now, and, you know, the Nest, and it's all connected to your internet and um, your TV and everything that's connected. And depending on how the password's set up or um, and how it's connected and what information it has access to. Um, it could be not a big deal or it could be a big deal, um, depending on, you know, who you are and what the organization is what, and what kind of information ultimately the hackers are trying to get. Yeah. You, you know, you, you brought up a good point. Cause I, you know, I thought HVAC, you know, you have your air conditioner, but yeah, the, the, the things that can, you can connect to your phone. Um, I have a coffee mug that is Bluetooth. Uh, so I can connect to my phone and I can control the temperature of my coffee mug from my phone. So all of that connectivity, you know, has opened all of these doors for cyber criminals. And do you have any thought as to how much money it has cost the industry and, you know, cyber attacks and things like that? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I was just actually looking at some of these statistics. So um, let me... So the average, so from, I know this is a big time frame. Um, so from 2017 to 2021, the average cost was about 55 million total incident costs um, for these incidents. Whereas in, in 2017, the beginning part of 2017, it was 33 million. So it went from 33 million to 55 million for total kind of average incident cost um, versus like a forensic cost or, um, and it, it's funny because I was looking at the industries by sector um, and curious really, you know, gaming as a whole lands in this kind of hospitality entertainment space. Um, but we now have our own space in some of these um you know, ransomware by sector. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we're not in healthcare, we're not in energy, but now gaming is starting to have um, its own space. Um, and I believe 
you know, this year was the first year at the beginning part of this year, I actually posted an article that I read about it where Q1 of this year was the first time that um, gaming has seen such major breaches across the board. Wow. That's, um, and what, do you know, do, are there any stats as to, okay, so some, some organizations choose not to have insurance, some do, and they go through the process. Um, have you, is there any correlation as to um, attacks happening in one um, form or another to those who don't have insurance versus those that who do? Does that make sense? <laughs> You know, and I don't know if I have that information, but I would say, um, you know, from an insurance you know, insurance company perspective, not that I have a license or know a ton about it, but, you know, they want to insure, you know, clients that are doing the security, let's just say stuff mm -hmm. uh, versus um, an organization that's doing nothing. So, um so they, they tend to have more flexible policies on um, clients that have done assessments, have done what they need to do to try as best they can to, main, to be secure based on their budget. So um, all organizations have different budgets based on um, their leaders. And within those budgets, you know, I see casinos trying to do what they can from you know, using the right tools, finding the right companies to partner with, to doing it in-house. Um, so I think the insurance companies just want to see that, you know, you're doing what you can to keep the hackers out. But I don't have an actual number of how many or what percent. I think, you know, it's, I have a health insurance policy, you know, and the if, when I get sick, you know, I'm not hoping to get sick, but I know sometime in the future I may get sick. So I keep, um, you know, in my own health insurance policy, mm -hmm. I have a homeowner's insurance policy. I have car insurance policy. I don't intend to get into a car accident, but if I do get in an accident, I'd want to, um, you know, pay as little as I can to fix my vehicle. Right. So and I think that's the idea. Yeah. So when, when organizations go about getting this insurance policy, you know, and they're working with, you know, you at, at, and Bulletproof, um, I'm assuming you're probably talking to every organization within the, the company, within the, the casino or the hotel. It's just not InfoSec. It would be across the board. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, and, um, you know, my fellow InfoSec friends in the gaming industry, I believe have the hardest job right now, just given, you know, their, their day to day has drastically changed from, you know, not just only maintaining the gaming environment, but everything outside of that from hospitality to iGaming, you know, now they're worried about trading people where that historically used to be HR's department. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're teaching people cybersecurity training, either, you know, they're doing it themselves or they're using um, training tools to help them. Um, but you're, it is, it tends to start with the security team because they do have a lot of that information, but then, you know, they work with their, you know, their CFO on financial information, financial data, and, um, you know, HR, if HR is responsible for training or marketing, if they're asking questions about social media. So, 
typically they'll they'll ask the gamut and then you know the the legal team gets involved you know should we you know have they usually ask have you had a breach and you know how do we position that to the insurance company so i think you're right everybody's involved it's um in most cases it tends to fall on the it department to lead and champion mm -hmm. so yeah i've worked in a few companies and they have um a tool on the microsoft outlet outlook um, menu bar where if you get a, a phishing email you click on that and it's a phishing it you can report it um, but also the infosec departments have run tests every now and then they'll send out a phishing email and if you click on it you're required to go through the infosec training uh, and take you know a half an hour out of your day going through this training so is that something that the in gaming industry has done too uh, not just the private you know corporate world Yes, and I'm so glad you mentioned mentioned this. So I used to. So we many years ago started uh, cybersecurity e-learning in house, and I thought, oh gosh, I do this all the time. I know all the answers. I'm gonna not listen to the videos, and I'm just gonna go right to the test. And I did not pass my first cybersecurity <laughs> test. And I'm <laughs> I know, and I work in that space, and so. Um, I joked with um, our CEO at the time, I'm like, wow, you know, I thought I knew everything. And I went back and took that test and I, I spent time, you know, you know, why did I click this? And um, instead of that, but they're really good. There's some really good training. Don't skip the videos, read that, read what it's telling you mm -hmm. and listen to it. Um, I passed the second time, <laughs> first time, and I pass every year now. So I, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to training, I'm, we're all busy. We all have really busy desks. We have, you know, it's, you know, for those of us that work from home, we're always, you know, on sun up to sundown and doing 30 minutes trainings here and there can be, you know, challenging, but mm -hmm. you know, the bigger picture is um, we all should be doing it. And, you know, if I could tell my, my younger self, just do the training. It's your job too, to make sure your cyber yes. you're trained and, had I not took that training, I get probably, I don't know, five, at least five phishing attempts a day, a day personally on my work computer, not, you know, not including LinkedIn and my home computer and mm -hmm. all the other ways people can communicate. Um, so text message now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting nonstop political text oh, message. Yes. Now that nobody's information is, you know, private anymore, it's. So every day I get, you know, vote for this or click on that. And mm -hmm. so I'm more on text messages now as well. Yeah. And there's, I haven't found a good way to stop those because it just, it's never ending that or car, you know, increase your car warranty. I, I'm so tired yeah. of those things. <laughs> True. Uh, but the Amazon ones too are tricky because, you know, I, I'm a big, you know, I buy Amazon all the mm -hmm. time. Our delivery truck driver are very close friends. And <laughs> so, you know, those ones are the ones that always catch me off guard because I don't know. I'm like, okay, what did I order? Um, and remembering what I ordered or resetting my password. Um, interestingly enough, I just was breached personally last week traveling for work. Oh. And I my credit card was taken. And we found out it was actually somebody at the airport that they didn't hand me back my credit card. And I didn't, you know, I was 
thinking about something else. I just took the receipt and not the credit card. And, you know, the person that um, took my credit card is, you know, no longer employed with this uh, airport. Mm -hmm. But they took my card and they went right out in the airport and bought themselves lunch and then continued to take them themselves other places. So um, even those kind of things, just a slip of mind happens quickly. And <laughs> this particular person was an employee at a um, restaurant inside an airport, not someone that was sending me a rogue email or a trained hacker. He was just a regular employee at a restaurant. That's, uh, yeah, that's unbelievable that, that you have to worry about that. And, and now I'm just going to remember always Check um, your credit card. Check, check my credit card. Yes. So, uh, Melissa, before we wrap up, what would you say were maybe the three or four key things that um, a casino, hotel, resort should do um, if they're thinking about cyber insurance? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, getting the training, there's so many free cyber trainings out there that you can those are low hanging fruit to use a company that has a cybersecurity e-learning platform, get the people trained, um, do, you know, you can do your own vulnerability scans in-house, you can outsource it, um, do the scanning, do your patching. And I think the, um, the third thing I would say is talk to your, your peers. Um, a lot of the um, breaches I've been involved with are right around the same area. So they went from one casino to the other casino um, and all in the same area. So just, you know, the IT teams are pretty good in my opinion of communicating together. Um, but I think, you know, the GMs and the CFOs, the more communication, the better. Hey, we just had this happen at our casino. Just wanna give you a heads up. It takes a quick email. And um, I think a lot of these would, you know, not happen as is is significantly as if there was more communication okay so communication is key um, and it's you can't be worried about you know um not telling one another and being embarrassed because it, it's it's going to affect everyone absolutely so, yeah. yeah and do your assessments there's you know i know for those in tribal gaming the nigc does a free vulnerability scan for you. So if you don't have the tools, get with the NIGC, get on their schedule and we'll do them for you for free. Um, so there's plenty of, you know, organizations out there that can help support you in your journey. Now, um, quick question, you, a tangent here, uh, pen tests, how, how are those done? Um, yeah. So um, a pen test is different than a vulnerability assessment. So an, a pen test is where you know, manually going in there, trying to uh, brute force get into the environment. Um, so they could, you know, we talked about the printer, maybe one of the printers connected to the wireless network and they can scale from the printer to the slot accounting system. Um, or maybe there's, you know, a, a password that's one, two, three, four, and it's connected to the system and they can go from that. They know the password's one, two, three, four, and then they can go from there across to the slot accounting system. So um, it's more manual. It's more you need to better understand what you're going after. Um, and so, you know, you go to someone's house and you try to get their internet or access to the internet. You go to your Wi-Fi connection on your phone. You see their SSID. Um, 
you know, you go to some casinos and you can see all the different SSIDs, but you can turn that off so it's not broadcast. Do you recommend turning all that off so no one sees um, the SSIDs? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's funny. I, I forget what conference I was just asked and I talked about this. I also talked about, um, you know, notifications on where you are or subscribing to automatic updates, like all the apps are talking to each other. So if you say yes, you know, track my location, send me information, they're going to talk to Hilton, who's going to talk to Facebook, who's going to, that's why when you get on Facebook, you were just on Hilton and they're advertising in your feed, oh, come stay at our resort in Scottsdale mm -hmm. because they're all communicating. So yeah, I turn off everything um, personally and you know, I am not on a bunch of different Wi-Fi networks all the time. I usually you know, run my phone like that, but everybody has different ways of doing it. But I would definitely recommend to keep things as locked down on your personal phone as possible. Okay. So Melissa, I want to thank you for your time. Um, to everyone, you know, to our listeners, we've been talking to Melissa Arscott from uh, Bulletproof about cyber insurance, cybersecurity. So I've learned a lot, uh, Melissa. So I want to thank you for your time this afternoon. Thanks so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Hope to have you on again. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Take care, Melissa. All right. Bye. Bye.